Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Moving Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruby, here with my co-host, Corbin Coyle. Hey, everyone. Hello. Uh, exciting times now. We're getting kind of to the end of the year, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. Corbin, I wanted to ask you, favorite holiday? Favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a tough, it's such a tough card. There's so many good ones. I, I, I think I'm going to give a weird answer because I really like Halloween. Um, but every year I'm like working on Halloween, like just randomly, like things like a couple years ago, I was in a play. And then like a, a couple years before that, I was like hosting an event at BlizzCon. <laughs> like it's just like just kept coming up. But I love when like holidays take over a town. So like I also kind of like Christmas mm. for that reason as well. Um, but I think it's just beautiful, like the lights and how weird Halloween is. Like, I think Halloween mm -hmm. is such a strange holiday because it's like a, a amalgamation of of like three different things you know um and yeah i just i think it's so fun and weird and like people dress up in the most funky things it's very creative it's a very creative holiday which i enjoy as well but christmas is also nice because it's like you got the pretty light like there's nothing prettier than like that time of year for sure and i don't know i i get excited every time this this little i think thanksgiving is good but it's kind of like the boring one between the three if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> it's in the i once saw an amazing halloween costume i'll never forget it which was this um, man and woman dressed as like in like a kind of like a wedding wedding outfit. Mm. But then what they had is they had like an arch over them, a half an arch. And then they had like white, it almost looked like levels that looked like cake, like oh. from their waist down. Genius. So when they stood together, it made a full round cake and they were like the two figurines on the top of the cake. I love which that. I just thought was such a great, uh, such a cool idea. Yeah, it's so clear. Like um, people come up with just the, the most clever yeah. things because like you're just limited and it's usually like partner stuff like the roller coaster one where there's like a bunch of people like that was pretty good right. when that first came out <laughs> that's uh, right that's right yeah there's, there's some there's some good ones out there what about you what's your favorite holiday that's easy christmas christmas for you christmas. yeah it is my favorite i just love uh from, from being a kid to now seeing it through my son's eyes uh and i just think being together Usually we're back in Wisconsin, seeing the snow, uh, you know, mm. the Christmas trees, the lights. I love driving around and just seeing Christmas lights. I just yeah, think it's, it's so, so festive. And yeah, there's just such a lovely. I thought you were going to say your birthday was going to be your favorite holiday. <laughs> My birthday is always the best. Uh, I wish it was more than once a year. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, my wife just had a birthday and it lasted like the whole month. So can we just talk about this? <laughs> a birthday is one day, I'm yeah. pretty sure. It's but, yeah. not a month long thing. My mom so. does that. My sister does that. I think because, they, well, they're born near like their friends too. So like, like their, sure. their birthdays. So they always make an excuse to be like, oh, we got to go next weekend yeah. to do this dinner as well. <laughs> so it's just kind of a nice oh little, God. little treat that they do all of September. <laughs> just a long birthday month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the song is birthday, not birthday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I want to, I want to get to our guest. Uh, very excited to have him here. He is an actor, a podcaster, audiobook narrator, uh, Nathan Agan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thrilled to uh, chat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so any thoughts on favorite holiday besides my birthday? <laughs> um, you know, that is one I definitely mark off in my calendar every year and really try to, you know, uh, uh, do it like a social media detox as so I can really be clear and focused. As we all do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, favorite holiday. Um, you know, I, uh, I can, I, my, my wife would probably think I'm, I'm a little, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge ish at times, but, uh, I do enjoy the kind of family get togetherness of Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
um, you know, those times of year. I, I'm not a I'm not a big, you know, uh, Halloween costume person. I mean, I can enjoy it. It took me years. I think I actually had moved away from L.A. before I actually went to the West Hollywood uh, Halloween celebration because I think when you live oh, in LA, yeah. you're just like I I don't want to drive over. I don't like there's a <laughs> hundred thousand people. That sounds like too much. But I was uh, this is when I was nomadic. I was uh, couch surfing with a young couple right up the street in West Hollywood. So I just literally had to just walk down like three blocks, and there it was. That's awesome. uh, and it's quite a scene, and, and the costumes are just so amazing. So. You know, if you have something like that and it sounds like a nightmare, just, you know, try to Uber over or take, you know, public transportation, like go check it out. It's probably worth your time. There's a lot of people having a lot of fun. That's I awesome. went there once, Nathan, and you're right. It's funny. I remember it's just like, it's so chaotic. There's amazing costumes, gorgeous, but it is, it's a lot. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of stages. I mean, for, for yeah. certainly intro, I'm, I'm an extrovert, but for introverts or people who have like yeah. sensory overload, like there, there's, you know, yeah. it's, it's almost like you need those, um, those quiet little pods, you know, like throughout the <laughs> yeah. festival, which people can just like yeah. go in and cocoon themselves and go, okay i just need to recharge for yeah. 60 seconds I'm gonna here be fine i'm gonna be fine <laughs> just gotta yeah. get out of there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i lived in west hollywood and i never went because i was like that seems like a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure i can't believe when i talk to so many people who live in cities it's not just la but other cities where they like never do kind of not that that's a tourist thing but they never do the tourist stuff until visitors come sure. in you know they're like mm -hmm. i should go to the arch i've never been to the st louis arch i've lived in st louis 10 years and then when right. someone comes in that gives them a, you know i feel like there's so many cities where people like say that i was just talking to someone where they're like you know they don't otherwise they don't go why would you go and this yeah I, I um i did a play up in seattle and especially once we opened I spent most of my days just going around the city, doing different things, going to museums or, or whatever parks and people who worked at the theater going, I've lived here five years and I've never done half of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Nathan, I'm curious how you got your start kind of in storytelling and, you know, being a, you know, actor and kind of doing all these things of what, you know, um, narrating, how, how you kind of got your start in this world. Well, I will. I will attempt to keep it the uh, the, the the shorter version. Um, I mean, I, I went to college at USC in Los Angeles and um, worked with uh, primarily the Antias Company after uh, school. It's a classical theater company. They were in North Hollywood. Now they're uh, over in Glendale, and they have a, a permanent, you know, really amazing space over there. Uh, and I kind of look at that as like my grad school years, uh, even though it wasn't a formal program. I was taking classes, but you're working with these really uh, amazing actors who have you know 30 40 50 years of experience across television film regional theater all this stuff tony nominees uh, emmy nominees uh, people that you absolutely would recognize from you know a lot of the programs that you've watched uh, and sometimes if you went to the theater you'd you'd see them on stage and so i had that experience of just like being around people who were working um did that that was great learned a lot also worked with uh the Actors Network, uh, which was uh, you know kind of an in-person program at the time, uh, and that was really helpful just to really focus on the business of acting. There weren't, there definitely were not as many as there are now, like online coaches or things like that, where you can really focus on uh, the business of acting and their mindset. And and Tan, the Actors Network, was a great space to dive into all of that of like that you are the CEO of your own mm -hmm. business. And how are you marketing it? How are you branding it? Uh, how are you, you know, staying relevant? How are you reminding people? How are you networking, developing relationships? All the stuff besides the craft that hopefully you know, so that when you get on set or on stage, like you know what to do. Um, and we can talk about that. But uh, but yeah, so I did all that, and then 
um, started working more, uh, you know, did a, a Super Bowl commercial, did the, a, a regional show up in Seattle, and uh, even did some stand-up uh, just for fun. Um, cool. And then I realized I wanted to travel. Like I, that experience in Seattle specifically was just like, you know, I, I would, and I took the time to drive up and down the coast from LA. Uh, they were going to fly me up there and I'm like, no, 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 I'll, I'll just take the stipend and I'll drive. Um, and to like go to parks or national parks, whatever, on a Tuesday morning as I'm driving. And it's just like me and all the retired people. <laughs> and it's just like, this is amazing. Like what, uh, look at this world out here that I, I had no yeah. idea about that. And, oh and as a person in LA, one of the reasons I wanted to travel so much was because I had done almost no travel while in Los Angeles. I mean, I would go home and visit family or something like that occasionally, but I'd never even been to Big Bear, you know, and it's not that far outside, you know, maybe hour and a half outside of LA. So whatever, pick your city, you know, if you can't, if you're not even going 90 minutes outside the city to explore something, I think something is off, you know, just in terms of work-life balance. And so I, I just decided like that when I came back, I was like, I think this is the direction I want to head. So in a hard right turn that a lot of people did not see coming or understand, uh, I got rid of everything and just got a backpack and started traveling the world. And um, I mean, at this point, I've been to all 50 states. I've been to about, I've been to over 20 countries, um, did a lot of couch surfing and, uh, you know, backpacking and riding the train around the country. And, and that was great. And that was fun. And that's, um, I volunteered different places and I'm, that's actually how I met my wife. We were both volunteering down in Quito, Ecuador. Mm. Um, she went down with her best friend. I went down with my brother. Um, and unlike a lot of times when you meet someone on vacation, you go back to your separate corners of the world and say, well, yeah. have a nice life. It was great to meet you this week. Um, because I had no home, I could actually, you know, oh, yeah. reconnect with her when we came back to the States and <laughs> spend some more time. And so, um, we've been together pretty much ever since, um, and, you know, through all of that time, especially working nomadically, it was figuring out, well, what can I do virtually and, and remote? And of course, this was years before the pandemic forced everybody to figure that out. Um, so I was different, doing different things, you know, trying to create different things, different products. I wrote a, I wrote a meditation guide and book and um, was doing web design, you know, uh, work and virtual assistant stuff, just trying to figure it out. But I still always enjoyed the creative side. And then, um, geez, maybe like six or seven years ago, I remember having, you know, a conversation about like three people in two weeks who I didn't really know well, all said, you have a really nice voice. You have a really interesting voice. And it's, it's a little bit like, you know, oh, wow, your eyes are really beautiful. It's mm -hmm. just like, Cool. Okay, great. Well, you know, what do I what do I do with that? Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Nathan. By the way, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I know that was directed yes, at me, yeah, yeah. so thank you. Happy birthday, yes, John. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and you know, I was having a conversation with a friend, going, I feel like I'm either you know missing something or or not capitalizing. I mean, I think that's the the FOMO of just like, what am I what am I not doing that I should be doing? Mm -hmm. But there seemed to be an element of okay, this seems to connect with people independent people who are not, you know, sharing this information. So what can I do with this? And I, I started my hand and trying to narrate and, and trying to figure it out. And I picked a few like online guides that people give out for free and I would narrate them and send them and say, what do you think of this? And, um, you, you know, it, it took a little bit of time, but I would say early on, actually, one of the first big projects I booked was uh, Mark Manson, who uh, New York Times bestselling author. He wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then he wrote, uh, uh, oh, um, then he has F. And then what's the next book? It's something 
f about hope or something like that but anyway mark just uh, is is a really funny writer very insightful but i narrated all these articles on his site like over a hundred i think it was over like 35 hours of content um and and he was somebody that was very big at the time he had two million readers and I had just pitched him cold with some, you know, samples of his work. And he said, yeah, let's, let's go for this. So that was just a huge confidence booster at the yeah. beginning. And, you know, over time, then started to actually get smart about this, like working with coaches, um, joining, you know, different professional organizations and starting to develop relationships with other narrators and understand, okay, how do I actually go about this? And not only the craft, but again, the business. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've been, I've been doing that. And, you know, in there, I had had this idea of how can I share all the great mentors that I had worked with at Antius specifically um, with a wider audience. I, I knew, even at the time, I had felt like it was very valuable that these are not the kinds of people that most of my peers at this age are hanging out with, getting to hang out backstage, talk with, mm -hmm. learn from, watch how they work. Uh, it's just not not the typical actor experience, whether classes or other you know companies with your friends. And so I wanted to see, can I do something with that? And that's where the podcast started in 2017, was just interviewing people I know, and some of them are are more well-known than others, but uh, just recognizing that you know there's a generation and, and a few generations uh, of people that are further down the road that have a lot to offer that you know maybe they don't know the latest uh, self-taping technique, but they have dealt with rejection. They have dealt with not working. They have dealt with uh, bad auditions. Uh, they have dealt with you know long runs of of shows, and and they've been on sets with crazy directors and great directors and all this stuff. So it's like these things that never change. Uh, there's this whole you know there's many many people, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands probably, who have a lot to offer the next generation of artists. So let me pause there. I was talking for a while, but uh, I'll, I'll pause there for a second. No, that's that's great. I, I was actually kind of curious because it seems like um, like I was wondering. Well, two part question. Like where where did you learn to because you do so many things and you have this no fear attitude, which I think is awesome. It's similar to like the uh, subtle art of not giving an F. Like it felt like you had already been exuding that. Like where did, where did you uh, kind of get the, cause a lot of people get when, up to when he read that article, then he absorbed then it. He, absorbed he, it. he yeah. just read it and answered and, got, yeah. and <laughs> never <laughs> yeah. done. Um, because like a lot of people kind of get to that cliff. Right. And then they don't jump. They don't actually, mm -hmm. they're afraid of it. And like same with you traveling. So I'm curious, like where did you learn that from? And then how do you continue to stay, on top of that with so many projects like in the air it's it's so uh it's your resume is really impressive so i just want to kind of dive into that well, well well thanks and and you know like anyone the the outside looks a lot cleaner and smoother <laughs> sure. than than the inside <laughs> um you, you know I've, I've talked to friends it's like well come on over i'll show you like how much of a mess the inside of my head really is uh and yeah. and how much i might be like oh geez i'm not making as much progress over here and and it's it's tough i i one of the things I, I, I attributed to a few things. Um, there was a, a kind of a professional actor coach. Her name was Christine Aller, and she's she's gone on to do other things. But at the time I was doing Actors Network, she was also running these sessions that really helped actors kind of focus and target. And one of the, one of the things I remember her saying is, um, you can do it all. You just can't do it all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that is a very simple phrase, but it's very meaningful that, you know, you have to really decide and we can use whatever metaphor we want, how many flower pots you're going to water and mm -hmm. understanding, well, if you have eight flower pots and you're watering all of them, then they're not all, you know, 
you can't put all of your attention on just one because the other seven will die. And so you just have to decide for yourself, how many things am I going to work on? And am I okay with whatever speed or level of growth each one of them has? Because if I'm only focusing on one, well, then I can probably get a lot further with just that one. Mm-hmm. I I sometimes wrestle for myself wishing I was the kind of person that just had one singular focus and I was all in and that was it. Um, But my brain is just not wired that way. And so I have to, I have to kind of overcome it because there's the shiny object syndrome and um, Ooh, this, you know, this, this is kind of fun or this gives me a hit of dopamine in the moment, but how is that? And I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking about it like this week of just like, okay, I could do this, but what's the end goal? Does that actually does that actually get me closer to what I want to be doing more of? Or is it just something that I'm good at, I could do, people seem to enjoy, but like, what, you know, I mean, it, again, it's, it sounds very simple, but it's just like, you know, having the goal in mind and then working backwards. Like, if I don't want to do more website work, then why would I be doing things that would, you know, if I want to do, you know, other interviews or guides or whatever, that would potentially get me more website work? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could do it and I could share my knowledge, but what's the end goal? And the end goal can be anything. And I might decide, yeah, I want to do seven totally random different projects from each other. And that's okay. You just have to kind of wrestle with yourself about how you manage that and and your your time management. You know, the, the, there's only so much time. And especially if you have a wife or family or parents or other obligations, like those are real hard things that you have to wrestle with and, and that you have to understand you only have so much time. There used to be an activity at the Actors Network called the Actor Pie, and it would be literally dividing your life into like, you know, how many hours a day you have, you know, and you literally looking at sleep and eating and exercise and mm-hmm. and work, you know, uh, survival job stuff that it's like, okay, how much, how much time do you actually have left that you can devote on whatever creative projects you want to pursue? Um, the other thing, and I want to answer the, the, the kind of the fear question, when I did that play in Seattle, I was um, I was in my late twenties, and I had I there was a combination of factors that got me down the path of just learning more about personal growth and and all that kind of stuff. And um, some close friends had given me a book by Eckhart Tolle. I didn't understand half of the words in it, and so I was like continually like <laughs> looking up things, going, "What does this mean? What is he talking <laughs> sure. about?" Um, but then I stumbled upon something called Philosopher's Notes. Um, by this guy, Brian Johnson. And Brian has gone on to develop some of the things, a company called Optimize, and now it's called Heroic. But And I actually worked with Brian for uh, a few years there. His his concept was taking all these great books um, about life and, and wisdom and all this kind of stuff and distilling them to like, I think it was like a six-page PDF and like a, a 10-minute audio or something like that, like just more wisdom in less time. That was the catchphrase. Mm-hmm. And there was at least like 100 books. And so I was just going through all of these, you know, great books of these lessons. And and one of the, his um, great approaches with this is he would very often um, pull quotes from other books, you know, so it's like you kept seeing the same themes coming up again and again and again, whether it was about, you know, mindset or, or meditation or about health or, you know, relationships that, you know, you'd get all these different quotes and he goes, oh, you know, that reminds me from thus spoke Zarathustra, you know, or man's search for meaning or whatever. And so we'd pull all these different references and, you know, just that compounded in my head was going, okay, well, you combine that with like journal exercises, which a lot of the books would recommend anyway. 
So I was just, I was kind of all in on that of like, what do I want to do with my life? And I just finished that show in Seattle and that's how I came to the realization of travel. And part of it came down to the idea of, okay, I'm, I'm nervous about this. I'm scared about this, but am I going to regret more not doing this, not taking that risk? Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of idea of, um, you know, you end up changing when the pain, the current pain is less than, or uh, how do I say this? Um, I, I know there's a really great concise way to say this, but basically it's like, um, the pain of staying the same is more than the pain of change. Mm-hmm. So that when you are so overwhelmed or so so do not enjoy what is going on, that that will uh, that will force you to kind of break out outside of your comfort zone. And so it's a continual process for me of looking at what is my comfort zone and and understanding that you know um, action is the only way to kind of counteract fear that I'm I'm scared of something I'm and I can be scared of rejection I could be scared of looking like a failure um, I could be scared of you know losing money or or whatever it is mm-hmm. I go okay well what is the actual kind of worst case scenario that reasonably could happen you know I'm probably not going to end up on the street I'm not going to lose all my friends my family isn't going to turn their back on me. Um, even if this project doesn't work, I'll, I'll still be alive. Like no one's going to come after me. Um, you know, those kinds of things, but I think it's important to really stop and, um, whether you write that out or, or talk it out, uh, you know, I, I still go to therapy, uh, weekly and have, and I'm a huge proponent of that, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever your process is to kind of get clear on what is it that's scaring me and, you know, what do I want to do about that? Um, you know, I was, I was very excited about travel. It, 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 I kind of crystallized some things for me and it represented something very exciting. And I remember like I had gotten rid of everything. I was in like my empty studio apartment. I was like leaving for Hawaii the next day. (laughs) And that's when the fear hit me. It was like, I looked around, I'm like, Oh my God, like what, what have I done? Like I am, I'm, I I built this whole life and I'm leaving it and I'm leaving all the people I know. I am leaving the world. I know. And I remember having a conversation with my uncle and he's just like, Nathan, you're going to Hawaii. It's going to be fine. (laughs) And it was, and, and, and I was going, I was, I was uh, volunteering at a community out there and, and I met a lot of great people and I've had a lot of great uh, experiences. I mean, the bittersweet part about travel is, especially if you're doing it nomadically, is that you're always going to someplace new and different. But the bittersweet part is that you're leaving whatever community and world you were just in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and for most people who don't live nomadically, if you move to a different city or change jobs, it's like, yeah, you might be excited about the new opportunity, but there is a part of your life that that chapter is closing. And, you know, I, I do kind of have to personally wrestle with all the relationships that I, I let go of when I left LA and, um, you know, that's not always fun to think about that. I had some really great uh, connections there and I, and social media helps a little, uh, but it's not the same as, you know, going to class with people on a weekly basis or hanging out with them and all that stuff. So, uh, as you can tell, I'm a very verbal person. I'll, I'll stop there again. So you can get in like, you know, two questions during this whole hour. I appreciate it. That's all right. Uh, Nathan, I thought of a couple of things. You hit on so many great points. I thought of that, um, you know, acronym for, for fear, you know, false evidence appearing real. And that idea, you know, of, 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 you know, uh, sometimes we get so worried about something and then it never even happens, you know? So I think it's an interesting, you know, um, part of the, the brain. 
And I think with what you're saying, I mean, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or, or scared of things, I also find when I take action right towards it, it like mm -hmm. starts to evaporate. So that's always an yeah. interesting thing for me where I'm like, ah, this thing is like, I really should make this phone call, but I don't know what they're gonna say, blah, blah. And then I make the phone call and I'm like, okay, then I'm in it and then I can't stop it. And then I'm over, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know what I need to do, you know? And I and my, my mom used to say that, it's like, well, gather as much information as you can, because I think that's another yeah. thing too, is fear is like, well, I only know this little much about it. And I'm scared of all these other things. It's like, well, why don't you try to talk to some more people or do some more things or take action towards it and then mm -hmm. see you know, if, if that changes. The other thing I was thinking about is, um, I thought you made a great point. When I first moved to LA, I, I worked in uh, temp, temp jobs and <clears throat> talking about the, the pain getting so much. And Corbin, I don't know if you know this, one of the temp jobs they gave me after I've been doing it for a while at different places was there was a Wells Fargo on Wilshire and Westwood Boulevard and I show up and in the lobby, there's a, there's a big table and there's all these envelopes and there's all these letters. And they're like, mm -hmm. you're gonna be stuffing letters into envelopes for eight hours oh, in boy. the lobby not even in a back room so like <laughs> not even hidden like literally in the lobby where people are coming in to get money out and you know i was a college graduate all these things and i was like oh my god so i did that day because i had you know i was there it was terrible and then i remember like a week later they're like wells fargo wants you back and i was like hell no no <laughs> never again but, but that also forced me then that's when i started working in casting because i was like i need a job that i can that i can that i can put up with that doesn't drive me, you know, crazy and stuff like that. But I, I, the, the pain from the temp job had gotten so bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, we all regularly encounter things that scare us. It's like, there's no human that doesn't feel that. And so it's just appreciating, well, okay, this, you know, this is outside of my comfort zone, but how much do I want it? Or how much do I not enjoy this other situation such that I will endure the pain. I mean, um, Mark Manson writes about, you know, like the, the one of the keys to uh, happiness in life is not really, or success is not really like what makes you happy. It's like, what are you willing to put up with? Like, what, what are the things that, because with every job profession, like there's going to be stuff that you hate, you don't enjoy the things that drain you. And that's, that's kind of more what you're looking for is like, what's the thing that I so enjoy doing that I'm willing to put up with this other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and as long as I think that other stuff doesn't become like 80% of the job, yeah. you know, you've probably found something that, that can work for you. Yeah. yeah. I tell my wife that all the time. I put up with so much, Annie, so much. <laughs> Poor Annie. I, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing that you're still married. But, uh, you know. <laughs> well, everyone's amazed, Nathan. Everyone's amazed. Um, I did want to talk about something that you hit on too, Nathan, which I like, which is this idea of like pursuing a lot of things versus like one thing. And I completely agree. I mean, my sister's a doctor. She like always wanted to be a doctor. And I feel like that's so like easy in a sense where you, you're not battling with all these other things. Yeah. The other thing I will say is when I have actors or students come to me and I say, well, you know, what do you want to do? And they're like, everything. What's interesting about that is it also makes it harder for me or other people I know to help them. So that's an interesting yeah. thing I think that people have to balance because like, you know, when a person says, this is what I'm interested in, I want to be a comedy writer, I would, then I think it's easier to get that momentum in a sense, obviously, yeah. and for other people to kind of come out of the woodwork and help, or I want to do this short film. It's amazing what, um, energy that can build. And so that's kind of, I think, always the balance with people that are very creative, have a lot of ideas, yes. myself included. So I totally get that of, of balancing those two things, you know? Well, and, and, you know, it absolutely applies to me as an audiobook narrator. Like 
I can entertain the idea of doing animation voiceover or commercial voiceover, but those are so totally different worlds mm -hmm. from what I'm doing. The people who cast audiobooks have nothing to do with animation, have nothing to do with commercials. And so I can pursue that, but I have to you know, understand that I'm kind of starting from scratch, learning all the players involved, uh, the technique involved, uh, you know, all that stuff. And I just have to, under, you know, I have to go, okay, well, I think animation might be fun, but how much work am I willing to invest in it uh, to kind of start over and, and, and understand and just appreciating that, that, that again, like, like you were saying, there are so many different ways to uh, focus as an actor. It's not to say that if you decide to focus on hour long procedurals, that's all you'll be doing until the end of time, but you can start there and recognize, okay, you know, I think my type works really well for that. And then you build your resume and then you can branch out or do your own projects or show people that, yes, you can also do comedy or whatever it is you want to do. But yeah, having that, that focus, uh, I think is, is really helpful. And, and, you know, a lot of the things we're talking about are muscles that the more you practice taking action in the direction of fear, or the more you, you know, practice going after something or, or, you know, having some kind of uh, daily habit or ritual that, that keeps your uh, craft honed that is going to help and, and better you. And, and, you know, if you don't practice it, it's going to atrophy. And, and then you're going to be, if you ever have to step outside your comfort zone, you're going to be totally paralyzed with fear because you're not used to doing that. But I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned that your sister is a doctor. My wife is an OBGYN and yeah, we often do not see eye to eye in terms of like career path because hers has been extremely linear mm -hmm. that you do this you show up you get this job you get this title you work here and it's 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 very kind of spelled out it's not easy i'm sure your sister can attest to that too <laughs> yeah, no. um but as as an actor it's just like i can't say well if i put 10 years into it then i'm going to be making six figures like yeah. there's no way to say that whereas a doctor can probably say like yeah i'll put eight to ten years into this and i'll be making six figures like just done yeah. deal mm -hmm. um and so as a creative like it's a much, you know, much more messier path. And I, I talked to her that it's like, I'm regularly pushing my boundaries and testing my comfort zone. Not because like I'm some great hero, but it's just like, that's, that's what's required of what I want to pursue. That most of the things I want to do are not just handed to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to go out and find opportunities or create things or reach out to people. And, you know, like anyone, I don't want to experience rejection or failure or, uh, or somebody calling my idea stupid or whatever, which is <laughs> unlikely to happen. But yeah. that's the kind of stuff that runs through your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think our careers are more like the board game shoots and ladders. You know what I mean? <laughs> you make some progress and you slide down and then you ladder and, up. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, like there are some, you know, really successful actors I've talked to on my podcast that it's just like, yeah, you know, I, I did this thing or, you know, it was a great show or I won this award and then I didn't work for a year. I didn't even, <laughs> yeah. couldn't even get an audition. Yeah, and it's just gosh. like, you know, and, and how do you mentally deal with that? You know? Um, and so it's, it's, those are the realities of the creative life. It's a, there's no guarantees. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's such a, I like, I like what you said though, that you're like regularly pushing those boundaries. Cause I think that is important. I think that's a very difficult thing for people to grasp, but I don't know. That's kind of like part of life is just like, why not do something like, why not go, like I'm going to Vietnam tomorrow like why not right. go out of the country and like i'm not excited about that 20-hour flight but it'll be fine you know it's worth it in the end i was i was scared of going internationally like to, to southeast asia mm. i don't know why it, it wasn't until you know my my now wife and i were getting together and she wanted to go and i was like all right but i was i was just nervous and then it was just like you get there and you're like 
there are buildings, there are trees, there are cars, <laughs> there are people. Mo many of them speak English. Like, what yeah, was I worried about? <laughs> like, what what possibly could I have been worried about? And and you know, yeah, it's, there, there's 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 so much we could talk about on on that. But I think again, just like whatever level. I mean, even you guys, like you reach out to people that you would like to have on your show. Mm -hmm. Maybe not everyone says yes, but that's pushing your boundaries. That's so for whatever someone is working on, you know, it's, it's not about always taking the biggest, most craziest leap you can. It might just be little things of sending an email here or doing, you know, reaching out to this person or, or writing this thing. You know, it can be little stuff that adds up over time that creates a, a larger project that, you know, you guys have done so many episodes that you didn't do all of this in one weekend. You've just added, you know, you've continually pushed your boundaries and created this catalog. Yeah. I was just thinking literally just yesterday, one of my students, she had, a, she was getting a bunch of auditions and the auditions just stopped. And she called me, she's like, should I, what am I do? I want to like yell at my agents. So like they got a new agent. Is that, is it that new agent's fault? Like what's going on, you know? And, and I told her, I said, what you should do is you should ask for a submission report, which is where you get what your agents have submitted you to. Right. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of actors are scared of that. Cause it's like, is the agent going to be annoyed? But there's, there's right. fear there. Right? right. And she was like, Oh really? Should I do that? And I was like, yes. I was like, just <laughs> ask for it and, and be real friendly. Just say, Hey, can I get that? It's end of the year, you know? Right. Um, and, and, and she's like, oh, okay. And so she emailed them and like literally an hour later, she's like, we got it. And she sent it to me, you know what I mean? And, right, and so we right. saw the stuff that they, 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 but, but there was the fear before that email was sent, which, which yeah. I felt, and I totally understood mm -hmm. uh, that was really interesting because it was, they sent it within an hour, right? which, which most actors don't really embrace the agent works for you. Right. Like they are one of your employees. <laughs> right. you know? So yeah. it's like, if you, if you was the boss said, Hey, can you get me that report? And they were just like, no, it's just like, dude, like you work for me. Like just send me the report. Get that report. And, and secondly, like if you had an agent that, you know, refused to be transparent or, yeah. you know, was, was acting, you know, shifty in any kind of way or didn't want to, you know, open up. It's like, that's not a good partnership. Like you want to, and I get it. I was there. It's just like you are hungry to take any agent you can because you think yeah. once you get the keys to the the golden door, you're in and <laughs> everything's and it's like, no, it's a continual process and you will ultimately find the agent that's right for you. It might be your first, it might not. Yeah. Um but but yeah, there's there's you know, we put so much energy into these gatekeepers or perceived gatekeepers right. that they're the ones holding us back and, and we have to just, you know, wait here and go, well, I hope they pick me and all that kind of, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, ultimately you have to try to embrace that idea of like, no, you are, you are the one driving this mm -hmm. and you have something unique to offer. And if this, you know, casting agent or agent does or casting director or agent doesn't see it, that's okay. Someone mm -hmm. else will, or you'll create your own project you know, whatever, like there's, there's a lot of different ways to make it work. Yeah. Sure. Um, I kind of want to, um, pivot just slightly. Uh, I don't know, John, if you had some quick, but I was going to talk about, because you touched a little bit on, um, the audiobook world and stuff, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, even with this agents, uh, conversation as well. But, uh, I was curious, like a lot of people come up to us, like just being like, well, how do I get into that? Like, what do I do? What tech stuff do I, like, there's just so many questions cause it can, kind of get big quick like do you have any like tips when it comes to well tech and then also just training and like getting an agent and things like that yeah well i, I one of the easiest thing I, I can say is there are no agents in audiobook work mm -hmm. there's just not enough money for it uh, money in it for them mm -hmm. uh, so that that can help uh, it's basically you as an uh, independent contractor as a freelancer you know pursuing work yourself um 
I'm in, I'm in some, you know, Facebook groups of other narrators and the things that come up most, uh, there's a great website called narratorsroadmap.com. Uh, it's uh, created by a narrator, Karen Commons, and she just kind of puts together like all the resources you're going to want to check out, uh, you know, whether down the tech road, uh, or where to audition and things like that. Um, and get a coach, you know, like there are some really great audiobook coaches out there and not only, especially if you're brand new, are they going to, you know, help you develop a, a craft and a technique? Um, but then over time, they're going to help you continue to refine and catch habits that you're developing or, or just improve your, your storytelling ability. And, you know, more than likely they will drop, you know, something or say, you know what, I'm going to recommend you to this, you know, casting agent I work with or, or whatever, like just continuing to, um, you know, create that relationship and, and just refine your, uh, your skill, uh, I think never goes out of style. It's something that, you know, I try to focus on and continually working on. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a mad hustle, like everything else. Like I sometimes will audition for projects on ACX, uh, which is the back end of Amazon and, um, you know, but then I'll, I, I also work on developing relationships with some of the big publishers and, um, other production companies. And so, so yeah, I mean, like there are the, it's kind of like, again, showing up to rehearsal or, uh, the film set, you know, you, you need to have your tech nailed down. You need to have some basic, uh, craft and storytelling ability. Um, you know, if you've gone through an actor training program, you probably have that. And yes, there are some, you know, specific techniques you need to learn for audiobook work. And um, the other great thing, and I'm surprised I didn't say this first, is um, before you invest in this, like, try it. Like, and what I mean by that, and, and one of my coaches, Sean Pratt, has a video that he talks about this. I think it's even on Karen's site where he's like, grab a book and uh, go somewhere quiet and start reading it aloud. And every time you make a mistake, go to the beginning of that sentence and start again and do that for like 10 minutes. And see if you still enjoy being an audiobook narrator after that, <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot of mistakes. There's, and there's yeah. anytime you hear noise, if you hear a dog barking or a plane overhead or a motorcycle, you got to stop, go back, to, you know, and just, just try it and just see like, do I enjoy this world of being by myself in this padded booth, uh, where I have no social contact <laughs> and I'm just reading to myself in this small closet kind of thing. Um, and if that is enjoyable to you and you, and you like that, then yes, pursue it. Like there's, there's a lot, of, I hear a lot of people going like, oh, I don't, I don't think I have a voice for audiobook work. And it's like, you have a voice. Mm -hmm. Like my, my voice is not perfect for every book out there. And you know, whether it's, you're looking for something more husky or gravelly or airier or, or lighter or what, like there's all different ways to describe voices. And yeah, again, like whatever your voice is, there's probably a genre or a style that you're a good match for. Just like your type on camera, there's probably a great uh, genre of show or movie that you could appear in. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not saying that you are limited to that and you can't break out of it, but it's just understanding that like whatever it is you have to offer fits really well somewhere. And it may take some time to discover that, but uh, but yeah, that's 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 what at least I'm learning. I think that's, Nathan, that's are there any? That is great. I love that. I was that was really interested in that um, for sure because it's a world that I don't know that well. So I'm curious to hear about it. Is there any for for actors and maybe people are interested in voiceover? Are there 
one or two like just maybe vocal things that you could say that you like or like you know like things like you you know i mean like when you're like do you try to do like some sort of vocal warm-ups every day or just before you're going to read i mean i know people complimented your voice which is lovely but i mean for people that are like okay i've got an audition later today like do you recommend stuff like that like i'm just curious thoughts yeah i i absolutely do um i mean because i'll, I'll do like two hour sessions at a time two and two and a half hour sessions and you know if you're not uh, you know, breathing correctly or drinking water, like your voice is going to get tired. And even after two and a half hours, I can sometimes hear, even by doing those things, I'm, my voice is getting a little tired or mentally I'm getting a little tired. Like it's, it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I absolutely, especially on days when I'm, uh, recording or even if I'm doing a short audition, I might do a shorter version of the warm up. Absolutely do a warm up, uh, you know, uh, physical and vocal. Um, just to, even though I'm not going to, be shouting to the last row of the auditorium. Mm -hmm. um, I still try to work out my voice so that all those notes and everything's flexible and warm and ready. Um, yeah, it's absolutely key. And I think, you know, even if I were doing on camera self tape auditions, I would probably do still an abbreviated version of that just so that my instrument is ready and I'm, I'm uh, delivering the best version uh, possible. I mean, I could wake up and do an audiobook audition, but it's probably not going to sound as good as if I do like a little bit of a warm up. <laughs> and then do it so that they get a true representation of what my ability and skill is. Mm -hmm. this, is this is a specific question, but I'm always curious with audiobook. Um, do you read it sentence by sentence or do you try to like read a chunk for the storytelling? Like how do you, how do you uh, portray like something that is, because oftentimes it feels like there's an arc with like the paragraph or like whatever is going on, but um, it also feels like sometimes it's a little choppy. So I don't know how, how that works on the back end. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of that is the prep of the book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you know, understanding um, either the story arc or the point the author is trying to make. Mm -hmm. And you're right, like within each subparagraph, it, if it's good writing, there's usually sometimes like a thesis and then some evidence and then a mini conclusion and, and understanding. And, and there are specific techniques of like how to keep it engaging, how to make it more like a TED talk where, I mean, that's kind of the idea with nonfiction is that this is this author's TED talk. It might be an eight hour TED talk, mm -hmm. but they're really passionate about the material and how can you make it engaging? So sometimes you're teaching, sometimes you're, uh, you know, being a little more conversational. Uh, sometimes you're highlighting things. So there's, there's all these different techniques of how to vary the pace of the book so that it sounds, it still comes off as natural, but it's, it keeps the listener engaged because they're always, um, it's not like we're trying to keep them on their toes, but it's just, it's just much more engaging as a presentation. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like any acting exercise. You have to be in the moment because mm -hmm. as an audiobook narrator, you are usually wearing the hat of producer, director, and actor <laughs> all at the same time. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so, and this is a huge thing and it probably, you know, people can relate with self tapes. Um, as an audiobook narrator, you very often can say something and go, oh, you know what, I, I think I can do that a little bit better. Or, I, I don't know if I got that voice quite right. And I have done that with projects. And the reason agents aren't in this is because there aren't, there isn't enough money. There's not enough money for you to be doing that. You know, like if you're spending, <laughs> you know, four, you know, recording every sentence four times until it's absolutely per. It's just you can't. There's, there's not. They're not paying you. Nathan, to do I that. just saw, I just saw a great um, uh, Matt Damon was being interviewed, and he just said he was on Saving Private Ryan, and there was a scene, and he thought the scene was okay. But not great, and or or, or let's say good, but not great. And he went up to Spielberg, and he was like, you know, I feel like that, you know, scene wasn't that wasn't that good. And Spielberg said, well, we can either spend another four hours and make it great, 
or we can go to our next amazing shot. And that's what I'm choosing to do. <laughs> He's like, because that's good enough. They're at 95%. They don't need that extra 5%. It's like, they're good. And so Matt Damon was like, and that's where I am now in life. He's like, I've gotten yes. to that point. You know, I was young then. And, but, and, and that's the thing yeah. to remember as a as narrator is like, no book is going to hinge on one sentence. <laughs> yeah. So that like, if you got that sentence, like even just 80% there, it's like, yeah. that's fine. Just stay in this. If, if you are staying in the moment and staying true to the story and, yeah. and committing to the characters or committing to the point of view, that is what is so much more important than, oh, you know what? I nailed that accent on that second word. You know, it's like, yeah, that's why, that's why I'll give actors a tip if they're interested in audiobook narration. That's why we do not let the author or rights holder micromanage the process. Like mm -hmm. once we do a kind of a checkpoint sample, which is like usually 15, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. then they're gone. And we just take the project and we narrate it. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, you'd have, you over time will develop this confidence in your ability to just kind of keep going. Of course, you know, going back if you do make a mistake. Um, but if you had the author or the rights holder over your shoulder going, you know, I listened to, you know, chapter three and like, can you go back and like put some more energy in the top of page two? It's just like, Dude, we we're never gonna get anything done. Like Nathan, you, you Nathan know, when you, I was when I was running commercial castings, you'd do a first call and then you do a callback with the directors and stuff. And in the callbacks, you'd always have more time because directors would work with actors and stuff, which is lovely. Sure, yeah. But in a first call, when you're a session director, you get like five minutes a, a group, which means you gotta explain it, you gotta get them slated, you gotta like you gotta move. And every once in a while, you I'd show up and then the casting director who I was working with would be like, the director is here. They want to sit in on the first call. And I'm like, <laughs> oh crap, because they're going to spend 15 minutes with every group. Even if a group is not that good, if they're a nice director, which is nice right. of them, but doesn't right. fit with the schedule. So every time that happened, then you, you go, you miss your lunch. You go late in the day, you know, and the right. cast director, what's going on? I'm like the director is talking to every actor and directing them, even though they're not right or something. And that's why we have the first calls and the callbacks, but it's a similar thing where whenever that happened, Nathan, I was always like, Oh God, I'm in for a long day because it's all getting micromanaged. Right. And, and it's and, not the time. And it's understanding that like this, this not, this doesn't come from a place of like, I don't want you, the author to be involved. It's like, no, yeah. this is the only way this will get done. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're doing this for you. Exactly. Trust the professional and we'll yes. take care of it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You'll get it. You'll, we'll filter through some of these people. You don't have to work with all of them. Uh, Nathan, I want to ask you, um, uh, about the, the working actor's journey. Mm -hmm. So just, I'm curious just about that. Is that still going on? Is it still the podcast? Is it still the online stuff? I'm just curious where that's Yeah. At. So uh, we just wrapped uh, our fifth season of the podcast um, in November and, um, and yeah, yeah thank you. And uh, we, uh, you know, we, we started doing these workshops as kind of a pandemic related thing and they, they really took off in the sense of being something um, kind of beautiful and very collaborative that it's extremely focused on process. And I'll try to explain it quickly. We would usually involve a professional director, professional actors, and then newer and younger actors. And they'd all be working on one scene over the course of a month. So it's something that you almost never get enough rehearsal time on a play or film or whatever. But this was a way to not only, especially for the younger actors or newer actors involved, see how, well, how do the older pros actually deal with this? How do they, like, what questions are they still asking and how, how do they be curious and, and how do they solve these problems? But then it would also give them something to actually apply. So it wasn't just watching going like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, okay, you've seen how the group is working. What are you bringing? And it, and it was never, it never felt like a top-down, like teaching model. It was always kind of from day one, very collaborative, which was great and, and yielded 
some really amazing work. Like it would just be crazy to see over just meeting once a week, over four weeks, how much the scene would grow. Um, and wow. so we were very fortunate to have some really fantastic, uh, you know, former artistic directors of major theaters involved and just some really, really fantastic, amazing actors, uh, professionals who they were all drawn to this because it's okay. Great material. And they're working with other great people. So it's just like, that's usually what most creators it's like, wait, I get to work on this with these people I'm in, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, like that's, that's what we're all looking for. For sure. Yeah. John, you have a thing about that where like, uh, the working with great people at any level, I forget the exact quote. Yeah. I, I always say, uh, Nathan, I want to work on great projects with great people, no matter the level, because I think sometimes people are always like, oh, I want to work, you know, on that new Paramount movie. Hey, that's right. wonderful if you can get there. But I think there's I've, some of my most memorable things have been a play in a small little dingy theater. And I love those people to death or a short film or, you know what I mean? So I think it like, or just even in classes, some of my best friends have come from classes I've done in the past, you know? So I yeah. think Nathan, what you're saying, I, I think there's such a, if you're around great people or inspiring people or people that love it, like that's such a great, cool, creative place to be. Well, and, and the other thing that kind of came up for me, not only with the podcast, but the workshops is I always felt as an actor, there was, and I understood why, but there was missing this kind of apprenticeship that, you know, what would it be like for an actor? Because you spend so much time trying to book a job to get on a set somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, unless you've specifically tried to work or learn, you know, maybe through other jobs or whatever, you you sometimes have no idea what it's going to be like on set. You know, you've done all the work, you've done all the craft stuff. And so it's like, I hope you enjoy being on set and waiting around or doing whatever you have to do or dealing with directors that don't talk to you or give you no notes or give you no feedback and whatever. Like, I hope you enjoy that because you've spent so much time. So I always kind of wished that, and I understand why studios don't want a bunch of actors just like hanging out on set. <laughs> um, but I always wished there was something that could, you know, I mean, our our tradition of acting came from uh, um, you know apprenticeship and mentoring that yeah. you know you especially regional theater like you know the younger members of the company would be out there for weeks months at a time working with the older actors and and that kind of died off in the 70s and and it's been a different model since but you know that is still part of the tradition and so i think anyway i can i can you know cobble that together in our you know uh, new world I think is really uh, helpful and 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 I would say sometimes necessary for actors and uh, that's part of the mission is is to kind of bridge those gaps of really understanding what is your job as a professional actor and I mean it's as simple as like yeah you might come out of college you know understanding okay if the teacher gives you notes and all that kind of stuff, but what if you get to a set or a rehearsal and the director doesn't know how to talk to you or gives mm -hmm. you things that are unhelpful like mm -hmm. what it like how do you do your job at that point. Because that's what you're there to do. You are there to do a job. And and that's what the job of the professional is. So, you know, anyway, I can kind of further that. Uh, I, that's, again, that's what I'm focused on. I, I love that <clears throat> intergenerational uh, connection that you're talking about, Nathan. Mm -hmm. I think that's really neat to see. And I think it is kind of rarer than it should be. So I love, I love hearing that. And it's funny, it brings me kind of full circle, which is you were talking about traveling. One of my goals is I want to go to all the presidential libraries Oh, and sure, my yeah. wife is always like, oh, get your RV with the retirees. And I'm like, I will, because I want to <laughs> go to all of them, baby. Um, so it's interesting what you're saying. And I think there's something neat about learning from you know other generations and what they've been through and how that's changed. And even then, I'm finding younger generations, the kind of energy or what they want to do, what they're focused on, you know, how that's a growth process. Um, well, Nathan, this has been wonderful. 
We are now at one of our favorite parts of the show, though, which is your <laughs> best, best bad acting. <laughs> now, Nathan, a lot of times we give kind of famous quotes. This is actually where we do something a little different for you because you've got a great voice, which we didn't even realize exactly how lovely it is. You take some water. Um, this is from a video game. So this is the first, okay. this is the first time we, he's like, okay, I know the mission. <laughs> um, so this is from a video game. And so we're, we're not really going to know the, con Corbin, if you want to give just a little context. Uh, I don't even maybe... fully know like exact yeah. context. It's um, yeah. just kind of advice during like a, a memory almost, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Advice that's kinda, during a memory. Yeah. So, so for this, Nathan, just say it however you want, kind of have fun with it. And then mm -hmm. we might give you a redirect just to, just to play. But you now, do you want this to be bad or good? Yeah, this is your best bad acting. So have fun. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no, so have okay. fun being bad with it. Yeah, exactly. All right, because I started going into like audiobook mode, and it's like, wait a second, no, I, the whole. Back. I can make this good. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have fun. Okay. All right. It's a funny thing, ambition. <laughs> it can take one to sublime heights or harrowing depths, and sometimes they are one and the same. <laughs> Emily Caldwin, disarmed. <laughs> Love it. So I feel like oh I was God. almost channeling. I didn't mean to. I, I didn't start out this way, but I was almost channeling Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem is exactly uh -huh. what I was thinking. Sure. Casey Kasem. I loved it. Top I loved 40 it. this week. It's a funny thing, <laughs> ambition. Okay, I got one for you. Um, I want you to do, uh, I mean, as best as you can, but have fun with it. Remember the guy who's like, in a world, blah, blah, blah. So just <laughs> Don, like LaFontaine. Don oh. LaFontaine, yes. Oh, is that Don yes. LaFontaine? Oh, okay. Well, he, he was one of the one of the very famous uh, movie okay. trailers, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got, he's got the um, the SAG, uh, their voiceover thing is named after, yes, yeah. after him. So, yeah. All right, so let me, let me try to channel yeah. my gravel in this. Like, yeah. It's a funny thing, ambition. <laughs> it can take one to sublime heights or harrowing depths. And sometimes they are one and the same. Ooh. Emily Caldwin, <laughs> dishonored. Ooh, so That's good, so good. I really. Good. Uh, I want. I want to do. Yeah. These are these are like too good. These are too good. Best bad acting. I want to. I want to uh, hear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're too. You're too professional. Um, I, I want to hear. Um, uh, like Spicoli from Ridgemont High. I like. I want to hear like stoner guy. Oh. Just <laughs> a little. We'll have fun beanie wearing. You know. <laughs> It's a funny thing, ambition. <laughs> it, it, can, it can take you to sublime heights or harrowing depths. And sometimes they are one and the same. Emily Caldwin dishonored. <laughs> That was so good. I'm so happy oh with my that. Gosh. That was great. That was great. That was great. Wait, is this character the robot one or not, Corbin, that you were telling me? No, this is a, uh, uh, a, a little girl, girl actually. Oh, <laughs> but, a little girl. Funny enough. Okay, then we need a little girl. Can you do the little girl? She's a little girl. Okay. All right. Yes, uh, let's see. I'm going to channel. Uh, so, so. It's a funny thing, ambition. It can take one to sublime heights or harrowing depths. And sometimes they are one and the same. <laughs> Emily Caldwin, dishonored. <laughs> What are the same? Oh my gosh, oh, it's beautiful. kind of too good, Corbin. I'm kind of uh, we're kind of enjoying it too much, Nathan. Yeah. I feel like I'm sorry. You know, I, it, all these years of training, I've, just, I've got to try <laughs> to forget this. No long. big so, deal. <laughs> oh. um, Nathan, this was lovely, lovely, lovely. Where can people, um, if they want to find out more about your journey, uh, what you got going on, where where can they find you? 
Yeah, so audiobook-wise, they can go to audionathan.com. Uh, Working Actors Journey is just at workingactorsjourney.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are the two kind of best places. I'm on I'm on the social medias, but always having the conversation of maybe I should get off the social medias. <laughs> um, but uh, or or fo- as we were talking about focus, which mm-hmm. which platforms do I really want to focus on? Mm-hmm, but sure. uh, those two websites, I think, would be uh, the best bets. And um, yeah, I'm happy to connect with people and and have the have the conversations and uh, you, you know one, one of the things we were, and, and even just kind of doing this exercise I'll just touch on briefly it's like you know if I can share something with somebody else that will help them in their journey I'm happy to do it because I learned a while ago there's no there's no way and there's not enough time for me to learn everything so if I'm learning from older professionals or other people and they can shortcut me to something on a role or a path or whatever it's just like Yes, because I don't have the time to make all the mistakes. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to move this forward as fast as I can mm-hmm. while still being realistic and not stress myself out. For sure, I love that. Hundred percent. And from a guy myself who's made all the mistakes, Nathan, much better <laughs> not to. So yeah. take Nathan's path and learn from others. I love that, Nathan. This has been lovely. We've loved having you. You're so informative. Really, like this has just been great. We really appreciated it. All the knowledge. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. Just a, a new world for us. So and and the and the best bad acting was was lovely. So we really appreciate your time. We want to honor that, and we appreciate you being here. Clearly, and, and maybe, John, you can help me with this. We, we can work on some more bad acting. I clearly need, <laughs> I need help. I can definitely eyes. help you. Got As it. a teacher, I can definitely bring you down yeah. to the level. Trust me. So, Nathan, this was lovely. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, guys. Bye, Bye bud. Thank you for listening to the Movie Spotlight Podcast.